This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. So, what's going to happen today? I don't know yet, but I know it's going to be dictated by what's going to happen tomorrow night at the debate. And I know that's going to be dictated by what happens in the New Hampshire primary a couple days from now. And all of it is going to be as exciting as Iowa and more right here on the Blaze Radio Network. Excelsior. Thank you. I asked Sebastian to stop the music as uh, a gesture of respect. A senior partner, two of them actually, but a, but a senior senior partner of this show, who's been with me from pretty much the beginning, as I recall, known to you as Rocky, and known to me as Rocky. And senior partner, Hazel. And I I hope both are listening. I'm unable to communicate with either of them or with you via Twitter because we, we've got a, about nine or ten inches of the snow on the ground right now. And it usually wreaks havoc with the electronics. Uh, no, I shouldn't say usually. That's unfair. It, it often wreaks havoc with the electronics, but I've been fairly lucky. Usually one thing goes, and often it's Twitter. And today it's Twitter. It's very frustrating because until I come on the air with you here on the Blaze Radio, I don't, I can't tell you. I can't tell you that I'm back today because I was sick yesterday. I regret that. Uh, I can't tell you I'm back. I can't tell you what we're doing. I can't communicate with you uh, without uh, Twitter. And so I tried uh, to communicate with, uh, by other means, with Rocky before the show, but apparently he, he, uh, wasn't, uh, he wasn't reachable by the uh, normal sources. And I couldn't contact Hazel, if you're listening, because I had no Twitter. And, and folks, partners, my friends, I, I have no Twitter right now. 
So I'm sure it will restore itself by and by. Yeah, Jay, but why did you cut the theme? Why don't you cut to the chase? Okay, I will. But you needed to know those things first. I was handed a note by my precocious daughter uh, late night before last when I was pretty ill. And she came into uh, the bedroom and, and said, I, Daddy, I, I'm sorry to disturb you, but I, di- I didn't know if this is something you would want to know right away. And she read from her notes, which she had dutifully taken. She had heard from Rocky, with whom she co-responds. And uh, her handle, by the way, it is Janie, J-A-N-E-E-E. J-A-N-E-E-E, like Jan with three E's on the end. 38. J-A-N-E-E-E, 38. Uh, she co-responds with Rocky. Rocky was trying to reach me, but I didn't know it because I was busy being sick. And she said to me, Rocky is trying to reach you, and so is Hazel, because they wish you to know that the best and brightest, that our radio family, has lost a beloved soul. And that is Bob Coffin. Bob Coffin was an avid, intelligent, thoughtful, provocative, thinking, lovely member of this, our conglomerate, every day that he could. And he passed on, I believe it would be, uh, I believe it would be sometime perhaps Wednesday night into Thursday. Oh, or Wednesday, Wednesday night. And I wish I could tell you something mystical, like I felt a disturbance in the force. Um, but I can't say that, but short of, short of a mystical claim, when a member of, you know, this audience, this is, this job is not what I do, although it's what I do, it's who I am. Anybody who knows me. And that's pretty much nobody other than my family because I don't anymore do much except become this show. I have become this show. It's like a horror movie, only a nice one, you know, but that's everything. When I eat, when I pee, when I sleep, when everything is my family knows, you know, don't bother him right now. It's the top of the hour. Or, you know, he's in pre-production right now, or be quiet, you know, be quiet, he has to see this or hear this. The rhythms of this family 
have become my rhythms, and my rhythms are the rhythms of this show, and this show are the rhythms of you. My life is the rhythms of preparing. I say this, and I mean it with my heart and blood and lungs. I mean, I say I start preparing. I often say at the end of the show, I start preparing now, right now, to be worthy of you listening to tomorrow. I do. I mean, I mean it. It's, it's who I am. And when a member of this audience who places faith in us and in the Blaze Radio Network and thus in me, we lose someone, this audience is diminished, not merely mathematically by one person, but diminished by a soul, you know, a a living, breathing person that we've never met that knows us maybe as well as their friends know them because they, like you, like I, choose to, of the communities of which I choose to be a part, of which you choose to be a part. I know it's only a radio show, but I... To me, it's, well, it's only a radio show, but a radio show is awfully important to me. And maybe I'm not alone. Bob Coffin, Bob Coffin's loved ones, people who knew him, loved him. I just wanted you and all of us to know that your spirit, your soul, is in this show. And I never met Bob. You you never met Bob. And I know people pass every day, but it's not just a statistic. It's, I know you out there. I feel you out there. I hear you out there. And when we lose one of our own community, it's an important thing. And it would otherwise go unmentioned. And I've probably, like most things emotional, have spent too much time mentioning it. But Bob Coffin, we loved that you loved us and we loved you back, even though we never met you. Uh, Just like every member of this audience is and ought to be valued as the best and brightest. Bob Coffin. The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. 
But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Bob Coffin, rest in peace. Maybe we'll hear from uh, Rocky or Hazel more. And uh, it's a Friday edition. Friday, Bob, for you, Friday edition. And I don't want to bum anybody up, you know? I mean, I don't want to bum anybody out. I'm, I'm here to bum you up. And me too, you know, uh, selfishly. But... Uh, Anyway, anyway, you know, what do you say is a segue? Uh, Bob, this one's for you. Where, what is happening? What is happening? Did you watch the Democrat debate last night? This was incompatible with my endeavors to cease my nausea this was the democrat debate last night was an emetic look it up e-m-e-t-i-c an emetic i mean if you weren't sick you would be sick if you watched the democrat debate last night what the, the, the that debate those candidates Clinton and Sanders, and by the way, if you've ever wondered before what the, you know, the personified definition is of addition by subtraction, you've heard the phrase addition via subtraction. This is it. You saw it. Addition by subtraction. That is last night's fist fight. Between Hillary and Boiny, you bastards. Toity, toity, toity. Hey, toity, you bastards. Uh, uh, Hillary and Bernie, that fist fight, that alley fight, was as a direct result, a direct result of the subtraction of old, what's his name? Kevin O'Malley. Or WTF is the guy who dropped out with, you know, Minus four percent a couple days ago. That they that's what he as as Guru Jay say. You put a buffer of one person in there. So there there are two things they we will never again have great debates like the Nixon Kennedy debates, and they were great. Admittedly, they were great because they were new, they were novel. That helped make them great. Now you've been to that rodeo a hundred times. 
and it's not as exciting anymore. You know, when the clown rolls over and loses his britches, you laughed at that the first three times you saw it. You don't laugh at it anymore. In fact, you're busy getting a beer and popcorn. Okay, that's true with media. It's true with the debates. But there is no reason. I mean, ultimately, the only people who are going to be attracted to, persuaded by, take seriously, and habitually watch debates are going to be the best and brightest, are going to be the best and brightest among us, among the citizenry who care about this stuff. You will always be able to tell the difference between a great debate and a crap debate. I will, and I know you will. So the importance is make them great. They ought to be the best they can be because, you know what? It isn't American Idol. There ought to be, under the ghost of the uh, equal time Article 315 provision of federal code for broadcast, there ought to be rattling around in the hallways somewhere enough of a ghost of that infamous uh, attempt to control broadcast. Maybe just a toenail of that ghost is worth considering, and the toenail could be make them great. Because because they're aimed for us. Ultimately, stupid people do not listen to this show or others like it. Ultimately, our fellow stupid citizens do not listen to talk radio. Ultimately, our fellow stupid citizens are stupid. And they don't find amusing learning about stuff. When they say, I didn't know that. These are the people that when, you know, Jesse Waters and, uh, you know, late night hosts, and I don't know them as well because I'm not up late anymore unless I'm here doing a special broadcast, which, by the way, we're doing tomorrow night, two special broadcasts, one at 7 o'clock Eastern p.m., 7 p.m. Eastern, then again at the conclusion of the New Hampshire Republican debate, the final event before the all-important primary. Two special after dark shows with Skip Lacombe, Doc Thompson, me, Jay Severin, and you, the best and brightest, the partners, tomorrow night, Saturday night, seven, and then at the conclusion of the debate uh, until, I think, midnight, at least midnight. That's the only time I'm up that late. So I don't know the names of the late night hosts, but when they go out on the street and they show a picture of George Bush, and they say, who is this? And they say, Miley Cyrus's road manager? They show a picture of Barack Obama. Who is this? They say, I know he's from Hawaii. Is it Don Ho? They go out and they show a picture of Hillary Clinton. And this is usually the only one that stupid people get right. They show a photograph of Hillary Clinton. They say, who's this? And people on the street say, that's the Wicked Witch of the West. I know that. I know. I remember that. That's the Wicked Witch of the West. Look out now. I don't want a house to fall on me. But you wonder, right? You see these things where they go out and show pictures of, I, I don't know who. I, you know, who's the most famous you know, person in the world? Michael Jackson's no longer with us, so I just don't know who to pick. 
You know, Muhammad Ali isn't known anymore because people who know him are too old. So, but I, I just don't, you know, I don't know. But people don't know. And you, and you look at them and you say, you know, that's a picture of the president of the United States. You don't know who that is? You think that's a pop singer? And you say, where do these people come from? Last night, when I watched this debate, well, again, it's not a debate, but it's certainly closer to being a debate when there are only two people. Because as I say, part of the spirit of making great debates requires two things. requires, one, the recognition that they're they're not for everybody. They ain't American Idol. They're not the NFL. It's not the NBA. It's not Sweet 16. It's not for everybody. It's for smart people. Now, there's virtually nothing on the air across the spectrum for smart people. And we, smart people, have to take care of ourselves and everybody else. So we deserve some bloody thing on the air that's for us. Okay, the debates ought to unashamedly, unselfconsciously, and affirmatively be for us, the smart. Everyone else has a lobbying group. Everyone else has a victim's group. What about we, the smart? All the stupid have groups. What about the smart? Make the debates for the smart. You know how you do that? You never have an audience, and you never have superfluous candidates. Because just as they proved last night, addition by subtraction, you take Kevin O. Uh, Malley out of there, and these two people who have been on the stage a hundred times before together, they went at each other's throats. Why? Because there was no one in between them. That's why you don't want a Republican debate with 122 people on the stage. You know what I mean? Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. And these, you, are my partners. one 3393 We are one partner fewer. one 3393 And I'm without Twitter, so that you know. And I never thought I would become, I'm not a, I'm not a big tech fan, uh, and I never thought I would come to rely, as I have, on anything that I couldn't myself do. But the Twitter, th- I realize now, I'm Twitter is next to oxygen and blood, you know, pretty much right up there on the chart. And being without it is crippling, and especially in communicating with, with you. As I say, I'm limited only to airtime. In all those other hours, and if we are, if you are a correspondent, I hope you will become one. Uh, I'm on the air about 18 hours a day, if you count Twitter. And I am, uh, let me see, I'm at J underscore Severin. So it's at J-A-Y, then the little underscore doohickey. S-E-V-E-R-I-N. At J underscore Severin. And, you know, I'm, and especially now with the this being this time, 
I'm on the air. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm on. See, I mean, I'm on the air, and then I'm on Twitter m- most evenings for several hours, and on weekends, tweeting the news and making predictions. Guru Jay is a, always here. He's what you call an idle rumor. Uh, but that's another story. One of the reasons I more keenly miss Twitter today than uh, I would normally is that what I'm looking at on my email on one of my other monitors here, my biggest monitor, is a picture of Ted Cruz. Big picture. Big, big picture of Ted Cruz. And it's a one-of-a-kind picture because it's Ted Cruz with his arm around the waist of a beautiful young woman who, until they show me DNA evidence to the contrary, and I live in a cold sweat for that day that it could occur, but until they show me DNA evidence to the contrary, I am told this young beauty is my daughter. And there she is with Ted Cruz arm in arm in New Hampshire yesterday. As you might imagine, given the family legacy and all of that, I know it's only a photograph, but it's something that means a lot to me. But far more important, it means a lot to her. And it just does my heart proud to know that she... Uh, knows enough and cares enough that that's what she wanted to take a day off. She loves school, but she wanted to take a day off from school. She like agonized over it, but she, you know, but she said, you know, I don't know. I don't know if we'll get in. I don't know. You know, do and this was the top of the pyramid, a picture with him. And I had nothing to do with it. And there she is. And I, we, I want to send you that picture on Twitter and I will. Send you that picture on Twitter as soon as I have Twitter. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Back to the Democrat debate last night. Uh, if you didn't watch it, it's okay. You know that you pay me to do these things, and I want to raise what for the inhabitants of what planet was that debate produced and and performed last night. Hey, uh, Hillary Clinton, angry ever? Are we a little angry ever? I'm telling you, given the choice between listening to Hillary Clinton speak for 30 seconds or listening to a continuous loop soundtrack of a bandsaw cutting through plate glass, you would choose the plate glass. I just, what planet listens to this? And and in all seriosity, all all seriosity aside, did you listen or have you gotten a drift of any of the content 
of that last night, other than it sounding like, you know, your earliest memory of elderly relatives drunk on Thanksgiving in a room fighting with you, in their bedroom, fighting with each other, with the door closed, but the whole house can hear it, and kind of like everyone pretends courteously to, you know, ignore it. But it sounds like, you know, Uncle Albert's about to beat Aunt Sadie into unconscious, into a <laughs> drunken Uncle Albert's about to beat Aunt Sadie into unconsciousness. And there's going to be like, a you know, the, it's going to come to grief and you're going to have to call 911 and you just don't know. You get that awful, the goose pimple feeling of there might be violence. Other than that, that entire thing last night was produced for residents of another country, of another planet. That Did, did you hear any of it? Uh, all, all it was, was uh, tonight, it should say on, you know, your channel guide. Tonight at 8, 9, whenever it was, tonight, the Democrats' presentation of OPS, other people's stuff, other people's money, other people's stuff. That entire so-called debate was two people yelling at each other about who could give more stuff away quicker. And all of the stuff is yours. All of the stuff is paid for by you. Plus the the gestalt, you know, the mindset of those people on stage, in the audience, and in the larger television audience to whom this appealed, whoever that is, clearly, evidently, their mindset is, I don't have what I want, and I don't have what I want because someone else stole it from me or someone else deprived me of it you know white people took my stuff i you know where's my stuff i want my stuff who's going to give me more of other people's stuff well i'll give the people i'll give the people i'll give the people other stuff you bested Yeah. How, how, how do, is that what the Democrat Party is? You know, I, I, it's funny. I admit, here I am, and I am a supposed political expert. And you know what? I am a political expert. But you know what? As much as I may be, and as much as I despise the, not Democrats, but the philosophy of Democrats, as much as I despise it, and as much as I have watched it, and for a long time, I, I was the, the, I founded my grade school civics club and newspaper. Sebastian, have I ever mentioned that before? No. Good. Well, I'm glad I mentioned it now. Thank you. Uh, and and you know I've watched this stuff a long time, and you know John F. Kennedy was a Democrat. The, uh, compared to these people last night. These two aliens, this was like E.T. too. Next to these extraterrestrials that were 
inhabiting the stage last night claiming to be the top two Democrat thinkers, the top two people representative of people who are going to vote Democrat in the United States in a few months. These two people were from another planet. They, I, I mean, I, I'm supposed to be, and as I say, I am an expert, but as much as I despise Democrat philosophy, if you had played me or if you gave me three or four or five different transcripts to read and 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 I and I didn't watch the debate and you said, okay, which one is the transcript of the actual debate? Even loathing, as I do, the Democrat philosophy, even loathing, as I do, Bernie Sanders' beliefs and Hillary Clinton's beliefs and Hillary Clinton as a human being, I, I would not have picked the actual transcript. I would not have thought that's what Democrats have become. I, I'm, a, I'm an expert, and they snuck up on me. I mean... How is it that Bernie Sanders is tied? Do you know he is? Do you know Bernie Sanders has come up 31 points since Christmas? 31 points. He's now tied with Hillary Clinton. You thought Hillary Clinton was a leftist? Bernie Sanders is a communist. So is Hillary, for that matter. But he's an open communist. I mean, at least, at least, you know, Hillary may be Karl Marx. And Bernie was, until now, Harpo Marx. Oh, oh, you know, here, hold my leg. You know, the guy with the curly hair and the top hat and the bird would come out. You know, but he's not Harpo Marx anymore. He, he's not even Groucho Marx. He's one of the Marx brothers still, but he's now Karl Marx. I, I, I can't, this is possible? Bernie Sanders, you bastards. He could be president of the United States? Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Doesn't my daughter look pretty in this shot with uh, the next president of the United States, Ted Cruz? I wish you knew because I don't have Twitter service. Because, again, it's uh, it's all be a stomach and whatnot here in New England. So uh, as soon as Twitter revisits, I can send you the picture. Uh, maybe I'll ask her to jump on stage at the end of the show and tell us what it was like. Uh, and by the way, hey boss, I didn't go. I was here throwing up my eyeballs. Uh, I, you know, I didn't go to New Hampshire. The girls did. Um, otherwise, there'd be a picture of me not on Twitter with the next president of the United States. So back to the Democrat debate, but not for long. Okay, I've said pretty much what I have to say about this, but... Uh, Does it not strike you? I'll go back to a question that I posed. Bernie Sanders is, as of today, tied, tied with Hillary Clinton in virtually all the recent polls nationally. 
nationally. Now, again, I know we don't have a national election. We have 50 individual state elections, which culminate by law on the same day. But national polls are not entirely useless as a barometer, right, of of people's popularity or acceptability. Bernie Sanders is Bernie Sanders is tied with Hillary Clinton. Now, yes, there's a part of me that has already laughed at that. And, and, you know, any place in a cruel world, no matter the misfortune that may visit me, if I know that somewhere, somehow, one of the Clintons is suffering, I'm a happier human being. I am schadenfreude personified when it comes to the Clintons. But it's really not the first thing that occurs to me when I see that Bernie Sanders is tied with her uh, for the Democrat nomination. I don't know what you think, but as candidates, Hillary Clinton is far superior to Sanders. I mean, you know, there is a skill set that goes along with being a candidate. There are some people who are good candidates and bad candidates. Believe me, I've had my share of bad ones. I've also been blessed with my share of good ones, but there are bad ones. And... Hillary is bad, but she's better than Bernie. She's a better, you know, she's just got more going for her than Bernie, according to all human history until this date. And in terms of a debate, and again, I know it ain't a debate really, but he doesn't belong in the same room with her. Again, I despise her. I loathe her. But in terms of Debating, being command of the facts. I know she's wooden. I know she's programmed. At any moment, I expect her forehead to bust open and all kinds of wires and sparks to come out. You know, I, I mean, I she's she's robotic. There's no doubt about it. But still, given those drawbacks, she is in every measurable way a better candidate and a better debater than Bernie Sanders. I, And you know what? I'm beginning to get it, and that is that it just doesn't matter. Whoever can shovel your stuff out of your pockets to undeserving people feeding at the trough of the welfare system is going to win the debate, is going to win the nomination, is maybe going to win the election. Ah! The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. We are one less among us. Bob Coffin, rest in peace from all of us and the show's for you. Excelsior! Welcome back, partners, friends. 
I am Jay Severin. You are the best and brightest. We have to prove it, and we do, every day, here on the Blaze Radio Network. Special edition of the JLE News, here at one 888 We have a couple partners on the phone. one 888 A signal that I will very soon shut up and give way to our partners. But let's consider where we are. I've I've said what I have to say uh, about the Democrats. Uh, I I think that spectacle was last night was astounding. It was shocking. It was irritating to the nth degree, and it was frightening. In that, a generic candidate—that is to say, if you went to the likely voters. Let's say, hypothetically, you handed me a sample of what we knew to be likely voters. Or better yet, so as long as it's a hypo, you gave me a list of people. Here are the people who are going to vote, actually vote, on November 4th, 6th, whatever it is. Okay? And among those people, we said, are you likely to vote for the Democrat or the Republican? That's what's called a generic ballot test question. It's one of the most important questions in polling. Looking ahead to the next election, do you think you'll be voting for the Democrat or the Republican? You don't include a name. You you don't, on purpose, you don't include a name. Generic ballot test. If we did that generic, they're doing it now. They're just not reporting it. If they did a generic ballot test right now, the Democrats are, I don't know where they are, actually. I should ask my source where they are. But I know they're not, you know, rarely is there a five or eight point difference even. My, my, my point being that one of those two freaks in that freak show, a.k.a. the Democrat debate that you saw last night, has a roughly 50-50 chance of being president of the United States. I would also remind you that one of the proven top political prognosticators of the last 25 years in American politics, me, has on the record a prediction that Hillary Clinton will be the next president of the United States. When I change that prediction, if I do, you will literally be the first to know. But I mention from time to time, I haven't changed it. It's one thing to guess. It's one thing to predict. I love it. It's all great. It's my life. But if it were my life, if I had to bet my house... My prediction is that Hillary Clinton is the next president of the United States. Horrible as that is, horrible as that is, it would be more horrible if Bernie Sanders were president of the United States. I'm not going to devote this hour to the Democrats, too, so I'll just leave it there. But, uh, you know, there's if you're thinking that. The Democrat, whomever it is, has no chance. Whomever the Republican is, forget it. Right now, I'm telling you the Democrat, whoever it is, whomever it is, has 
an equal shot of being president of the United States for the next four and possibly eight years. Think of it in terms of a minimum of four United States Supreme Court appointments. That's how I think of it. Because, you know, in the end, and now mature enough, that means old enough, to have some perspective on this and politics having been my life. Did you know I founded my grade school civics club and newspaper? Sebastian, have I ever mentioned that before? Good. I'm glad I mentioned it now then. Uh, You know, I have some perspective on this, and presidents do come and go. I mean, look, we're about to, I don't know that we will, but it appears we're about to survive the most un-American president we have ever had, the most anti-American president we have ever had. Presidents come and go, but... Even the intentions of the worst are buffeted and mitigated and distilled and weakened, ultimately, by our system, which is exactly as it was intended to be. We do not elect kings. We do not elect emperors. I know this will be bad news to the Obamas, but we don't elect kings. It is an intention that their most... Ardent views, their most, their most passionate ambitions are filtered through and buffeted by the caprice of public opinion and through something we call a Congress of the United States. So nobody gets everything they want. And thank God for it, because if Obama had gotten any more of what he wanted, we'd be the socialist republic of the socialist United States officially right now. I'd be in prison. You'd be in a work camp. So to say that open communists, because politically Hillary Clinton is much smarter than Obama. He's a much better politician, a much better liar, a much bigger, more committed communist than Obama. But Sanders, you bested, would be worse. And we're talking about a roughly 50-50 chance one of them becomes president. All right, where does that leave us? It leaves us at tomorrow night. The New Hampshire primary is three days away. Four, three, four days away. And the only event that most people will be aware of, either because they watch it or because they are inundated with coverage of it, the event that will saturate the minds of people who actually vote in three or four days is the final Republican debate before New Hampshire. That takes place tomorrow, Saturday night. And we, unsurprisingly, here at the Blaze Radio Network, have not one, but count them, two, two big Blaze After Dark specials for you. One is from 7 p.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. Eastern. That would be the hour preceding the big boy debate. 
Are are they even ha- are they even having the training potty debate before that? I don't even know. I, I assume they are, but I, I'm, I'm not going to bother with it. Uh, Seven to eight p.m. Eastern. We're here. Skip Doc, me, you, Sebastian. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. And uh, then, so we do 7 to 8 Eastern, then the big boy pants debate, really maybe the only boy pants left debate, uh, from 8 o'clock on, and when that finishes, which is in theory supposed to be 10 o'clock Eastern, then, but at the conclusion of that, instantly shall we reappear for the second of the evening, Blaze Radio Network After Dark uh, debate specials. So two big, count them, two big shows live tomorrow night. We really want you to join us because if you've heard the shows before, participated in them, the shows are best when you are calling in. When you are the star of the show, it gives us a conversation. And after all, it's what we are, is conversationalists. Although, you know, I have some other adjectives for Doc and Skip as I know they do for me. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Yes, on the Blaze Radio Network, welcoming Trinity, uh, an obvious alias. I, I would say that, except we've spoken before. So, uh, Trinity from South Carolina, appropriate for a number of reasons, including that's where we're headed next and what this is all about, really. Uh, for the candidates who are thinking ahead, it's all about South Carolina already. Trinity, welcome back. Yes. Thank you, Jake, for taking my call. And, brother, I want to thank you for everything you do. And if I could give you a raise, I'd be the first one to hop on, brother. Trinity, it's not as if I've got calluses. I would liken the burden of my job physically to that of a judge. And neither do they have calluses. And like judges, I get to come to work every day in the equivalent of a black robe. And no one even knows if I'm wearing you, trow. So... But uh, now my question was, Jay, <laughs> I need some of your wisdom, brother. I feel like I've been in a coma or something because I thought I remember when the Republican race started, we supposedly had multi-people that was anti-establishment, and now it's like there's only one. And the only reason why I bring that up is it's kind of amazing to me to see all the people now who's backing Trump and all the people who's backing Marco Rubio And the other thing I think that shocked me the most is when Jimmy Carter endorsed Donald Trump. Am I missing something here, brother? Can you help me? Yes. Of the two points, you are missing something in the latter point. Pardon me. Let me address that first. There is only because of the utter stupidity and or grotesque bias of the mainstream media does the news, quote-unquote, filter to you and me that Jimmy Carter endorsed Trump? 
Jimmy Carter was invited to speak. This kills me that he was and I wasn't. This would mean so much more to me than it would to him, the bested. Anyway, Jimmy Carter was invited to speak before the House of Lords in the UK. And he got up there and said, Now, if I had to choose between, say, the other side, between Donald Trump and, 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 uh, and Cruz, I would choose Trump. And he waited. There was a titter of, you know, in, sharp inhalation of breath and a uh, little chuckling. And he said, the reason why is that uh, Trump is malleable. He has no fixed positions or opinions. He has no core beliefs. He has nothing he would go to the White House and fight for. Uh, On the other hand, Cruz believes what he says. So the endorsement, my friend, was as acidly tongue-in-cheek as it's possible to make. But because, again... Because of the utter ignorance or the grotesque bias of American mainstream media, that filed back to us, filtered back to us, Trinity, as a legitimate headline, Carter endorses Trump. You see, it was a backhanded, it was the greatest, and very British, by the way, it was the greatest possible back-of-the-hand insult. I could, I could see that, and I kind of figured, you know, you know, Jimmy Carter's not going to endorse Trump. But I mean, it's just beyond that. It's the other people who now who are endorsing him, and it's like the people who are right. endorsing him. No, but I think it's an imp- you know, it's an Carter important Carter. point, not because of Carter. No one knows what <clears throat> Carter says, or you know, this has been reported, forgotten, gone. This is like you know what I fed my dogs two days ago. It's long forgotten. Okay, it's buried. But the the lesson deriving from it is important and that is look at what the mainstream media does you are one of the most informed people that you know and you until two minutes ago believed that jimmy carter former president of the united states whatever one thinks of him and i think of him a little less just slightly than what I fed my dogs two days ago turned into in about 12 hours. No matter what you think of Carter, the fact that most Americans are under the impression that a former president endorsed Trump before the House of Lords, is there's a lasting lesson here about American news media, yes? Which was it? Did Were the American correspondents too stupid to recognize that this was obviously an insult, or did they know it was an insult, but they were just dying to write the headline, you know, X, Y, or Z endorses Trump. I mean, now, help me. Your first question was? My first question was, was, you know, when this all started, you know, Trump was anti-establishment, you know, Rubio, you know, was in between, you know, this person, right. that person. But now, you know, Ted Cruz, and, you know, if anybody's ever listened to you. No, no, I, I, got, I got it. So that we have time, let me answer, and then t- so you have time to respond uh, in, in this uh, segment. Uh, this involves the number of lanes 
as they, they are called this year, the number of lanes, the number of tickets being punched, right? There's all the jargon that goes along with this. We don't care what we call it. We know what it means. The number of, the number of, of, of tickets being punched or the number of lanes right now, as of this moment, and it's changed throughout the campaign, it's fundamentally been the same, but it does evolve. Right now, the number of lanes are said to be, you you got to drive your car into one of three lanes, and you've got to be first in that lane, Trinity. And here are the three lanes. Outsider, conservative, or governor. Now, the third one is meant slightly humorously, but, but not entirely. It means that it really is a category. When you look at the people who are still you know, being considered, John Kasich, Jeb Bush, Chris Christie, they're governors. And then you look at, all right, okay, who's the outsider lane? Trump still owns it. Uh, who who is straddling both lanes? Uh, Ted Cruz is straddling outsider and conservative. Rubio is no one's quite sure, uh, and 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 Chris Christie calling him the boy in the bubble, you know, ain't bad because he is so far the boy in the bubble. The press loves him. He's there. He and Kasich are the New York Times vision of what their perfect Republican looks and sounds like. So we need to beware. Uh, I agree. And the thing about Jeb Bush, uh, you know, I heard the sound bit a little bit earlier about him actually asking the crowd to clap for him. And it kind of makes you feel bad for the guy, but it's like, man, you just got to go ahead and get out while you can because you're just ruining your name even more. But that's just my personal opinion. So, but, uh, you know, I just didn't know being a cruise guy, um, it's like now more and more and more he's going to be attacked, especially now that he's won Iowa, even though it might have been about four points or whatever. You know, I'm thinking right. if he comes in second or third place in New Hampshire, which to me will be a blessing, but you know more about I do. Yeah, no, no, you're right. It's right now, right now it is Trump, and we'll talk more about this in a moment. It's Trump, Rubio, Cruz. I mean, Ted Cruz has to really fight for third place right now. Still has a choice to a chance, you know, to come in second, maybe to win it. But he's third right now. Interesting thing about Bush thing when he asked for applause the other night. First time a Republican has asked for a clap. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, Trinity, thank you for your call and question. Is Jacob still with us? Yes. Jacob, welcome. Jacob, I must warn you. I I, I know you're the Ebola expert. Jacob dropped? All right, well, then we're not going to know about the, is it Zika or Zinka? Zika. Zika. All right. This means you are not going to know a fraction as much about the Zika virus as you otherwise might have this weekend. But I, 
I'm going to bet, with all due respect to uh, to Jacob and his uh, regular, uh, very substantive contributions to the show as the head of the uh, Jaily News Medical Unit, that we can we can live with that because we're talking politics right now, and unless one of the leading candidates has the Zika virus, we ain't going to talk about it today. Uh, here's what we're going to talk about. We have a poll. No. Well, we do. But we have a debate tomorrow night. Here's here's what we've got. We've got the fate of the country in the hands of a rotating bunch of Americans, as it was designed to be. And right now, that bunch of Americans resides in New Hampshire. And they're going to vote at the beginning of the week on their choice on the Republican and Democrat side. Now, we'll talk about the Democrats by and by, but the Republican side is just so much more exciting to most of us. So that's why I kind of, you know, have a strong bias that way. So looking at the debate, how important is it? Well, not really. Tomorrow night, not really. Only, do you know what the percentage of may change my mind in the next 48 hours is in New Hampshire? 60%. 60% the the committed vote on American Samoa is is greater than 60%. Uh, and speaking of Samoa, would you like Samoa of this expert analysis? Hold on. Uh so the debate is the thing and I mean more, I mean we've had what? One other primary, right? Iowa caucus, but among circumstances we will face, none will be more important or dire than what happened Saturday night, because not all states, uh, regions, you know, are going to have a debate on Saturday night just before they vote. And when you have 60% of the people undecided, the debate is essentially everything. So, what do you think? What do you what, what do you think? Are there because what what do you think they think? Are there three lanes? Are there the outsider lane, the conservative lane, and then the establishment? I called it the governor's lane. I think that's a little misleading. I apologize to you. It's really not outsider, conservative, and governor. It's coincidentally true that it's governor. But what it really is, is outsider, conservative, and establishment. Because the governors are Kasich, Bush, and Christie. Well, Christie owns the blimp lane, but they've eliminated it because it costs too much. They don't have that much paint to put down the blimp lane. So uh, it's now down to outsider, conservative, and establishment. I think... I mean, will there be, could there be a fourth ticket, a fifth ticket out of New Hampshire? There could be, but it depends. Again, all of politics, all of American politics is derivative of the oldest American vaudeville joke there is. Good morning, Bill. How's your wife? Answer, compared to who? 
Okay. Will there be two tickets, five tickets? I don't know. It depends on whom. Obviously, if Trump wins New Hampshire, that means something very different than if Cruz wins New Hampshire. By the way, if Cruz wins New Hampshire, it changes the face of this race instantly on the Republican side. One question I have, I don't know the answer. I have taken candidates to the New Hampshire primary twice as strategist. I've been there. I've done this. I have never thought that the ground game was as important, is as important in New Hampshire. And by ground game, I mean identifying and turning out, actually physically transporting. We didn't do that in the old days. That was virtually unheard of. You tried to ID your voters. You just didn't have the technology to do so. And you tried to get them out to vote. And the technology in those days was a telephone, not a cell phone, by the way. And no one, I mean, the first incarnation of that was that people would get buses and say, if you want to go to the polls, there will be a bus at the Ajax shopping center, you know, every two hours to go to the polls. Today, what they do and what is required in some places to win is that you have to have volunteers who call up Agnes Agnes, it's me. It's me, Timmy. Yeah. Agnes, what time would you like to vote on Tuesday? What time? Because I'll be there. Do you, did you, Agnes, will you have eaten breakfast? Can I bring you an Egg McMuffin? You know, uh, you know. will you be there? Now, Agnes, you said you were going to bring your sister Tilly. Are you, is Tilly still on? Or do we have to go pick Tilly up? Can she be at your place? I'm not kidding you. This is the ground game these days. This is what people do. When the story is written, and by the way, I learned, I had a first today. I learned on television, I learned on television, didn't know before something about the ground game of the Cruz campaign. And I want to mention a name to you. I don't know him. Uh but I'd like to, and you're going to know his name. His name is Alexander Nix. He's a Brit. He's head of something called Cambridge Analytics. He masterminded the Cruise ground game. Even in a six-minute segment today on Fox, the amount of information that he discussed about how deep they went to identify voters, to persuade voters, to profile them as to whether they were convertible, persuadable, from Trump to Cruz or from Carson to Cruz, and all the analytics they use to do this. Look, I'm a lifelong dear friend, admirer, booster of Douglas Schoen, who's the best pollster in the world. But I wouldn't be surprised if Doug agrees with me that this guy, Alexander Nix of Cambridge Analytics, has an awful lot on the ball. You're going to hear his name again. 
what I, and, and 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 that's and that's that's you ought to look it up, Cambridge Analytics. You'll look him up, and we'll talk more about it. And I'll try to get him as a guest because he's very good, uh, and you'll like it, and I'll like it. But for now, suffice it to say, I don't know that a sophisticated ground game a la Iowa is required the way for New Hampshire. I mean, obviously, you want to ID and turn out your voters, but I just don't know that it's as necessary as it is in Iowa, and I don't think it is. I have been to Iowa with candidates. I have been to New Hampshire with, with clients. And, I, you know, again, New Hampshire is one-third the territory with three times the votes. You've got a much greater concentration of voters where they're five minutes away, and they don't have to caucus. They can go, go like, like you know, hey, uh, w- are you taking the kids to school tomorrow morning? Can I ride with you? Yeah, because let's, let's leave five minutes early because I'm going to run into the high school, uh, run to the booth, punch in my ballot, and run back out. It won't take five minutes, and it won't. It's a very different deal than caucuses in Iowa. So I think the ground game is very different in New Hampshire than it is in Iowa. Thus... I don't know if Ted Cruz's greatest advantage, which it, we only have one contest on which to judge it so far, which was the Iowa caucuses, right? The, the ground game was perfect for Cruz and non, near perfect and non-existent for Trump. There have been reports since, which we have discussed, that people within the Trump campaign were angry and, and said, look, we need to have a ground game. Then the stories came out that, no, no, there was no disagreement. And Trump said, hey, we got plenty of ground game. We're going to invest in more. And we're going to have the better ground game going into New Hampshire. Well, I heard an expert say this morning, and I mean a real expert, say that maybe Donald Trump learned something. But he said this four days, five days before the vote. You don't build a ground game, a voter ID turnout machine in four or five days, even if you're a billionaire. These other candidates have spent a year or more developing the analytics and the machinery to ID and turn out voters. Donald Trump cannot do that. Now, whether or not he needs to in New Hampshire is going to be a very fateful story. If he doesn't need to, then his get-out-the-vote mechanism can continue to be him on TV. But if he loses, and it's it's inconceivable almost, he's 24 points ahead. How do you lose a 24-point lead in five days? If it ever existed, you don't. But if Trump wins by a lot less or loses then ground game is going to all of a sudden be the altar at which you're going to see everybody worshiping. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. This is J. 
Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners, including a special guest. Would you uh, please, for the record, state your name? My name is Jane Severin. We can assume you can prove that, but we'll leave that until later. The bailiff will ask you for identification on the way out. Um, Welcome, Jane Severin. Thank you. I'm looking at a photograph of uh, someone who looks very much like you, who's standing arm in arm with the next president of the United States, Ted Cruz. Could you describe, uh, please, to our jury the circumstances of this photograph? And I remind you, you are under oath. (laughs) Um, Yesterday, I went up to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and saw Ted Cruz, um, Ted Cruz's rally in New Hampshire. Via St. Whom? My mom. (laughs) St. Mom, yes, go ahead. (laughs) Um, We got there really early, and so they saved us seats because we were there early, and we drove up from... Massachusetts, and we were sitting in the second row behind the first row of the important people in the campaign. Um, <laughs> That's and... a good sign. I saw that when the campaign manager pretty much sitting just in front of you in yeah. the first row, <laughs> yeah. you got a pretty good seat. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Cruz, he spoke for a while, and then he opened it up to questions, and he asked, he let uh, about four people ask questions, and I was the last one. Do you, can you, uh, in sum... Give us the spirit of that question. Um, I asked how he planned to appeal to youth and the next generation of voters um, who can and vote wh- for his second and wh- term. And why? Because what were you? What have you been detecting? You've been detecting support for. Because I've been detecting support for Bernie Sanders, especially in New England, because of all right. the liberals. <laughs> right, right. And what was the what was the essence of his answer? Um, he spoke about capitalism and about basically how socialism. It's nothing's free, and like kids, you know, think, or you know, kids, college students, those kinds of people, millennials, think, oh, free stuff. I better vote for Bernie. I want to go to college for free. And then your uh, your 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 mommy, uh, uh, not since Bobby Clark uh, played center for the Philadelphia Flyers, has anyone had a shift like your mommy, uh, getting you up to position. Uh, for this photograph, am I right? Of course, you don't remember Bobby, but uh, <laughs> it's another story. Uh, okay, it's it's it, you must be very proud. I'm very proud of you. It was exciting. <laughs> and I love you very much, and I'm so glad that you're on. This is the equivalent of my uh, much better than my Richard Nixon picture. We have less than a minute, and because of the special circumstances of today, having lost Bob Rocky. Yeah, Rocky. Hey, it's hey. Jane and I. We have less than a minute. And we wanted to talk to you uh, and thank you for your kindness in letting us know the sad news of Bob's loss. Well, that, that is uh, attributable to uh, Hazel and uh, Bob's daughter, actually, April. And uh, it was very sad to hear. We really thank you for your tribute, Jay. Um, he'll be dearly missed. He was a patriot. And uh, Rocky, had, I'm sorry. Well, let's talk about no this problem. more on Monday. For Bob, we have to uh, th- th- check out Janie. Thank you. Tomorrow night, seven o'clock Eastern, seven. on the Blaze Radio Network.